Okay, so B'siyat HaRashmaya, with the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the learning should be a schus for all the Chayalim and the Chayalot, Tinuk Ben Shir Yehudis, among all those in Am Yisrael that are requiring at this time Rachme Shemayim, Be'ezus Hashem, everybody should be safe and healthy in the most wonderful way possible. We should only hear good news. So we begin Sichas Ran Pei Dalit with a bit of a more challenging teaching, I would say. It doesn't seem to fit into the ordinary stream of Rabbi Nachman's approach. It seems a little bit harsh. It seems a little bit intense. And we're going to try to sweeten it with something that we had already learned in an earlier teaching in Sichas Ran Nun Aleph. If some of the ever remember, Nun Aleph was the very, very long one. I'm curious whether anybody was even here when we were up to Nun Aleph. I think some of you were. Um, but Nun Aleph was like the central teaching. I think we had like, I, I think 11 Shirim or something on, uh, on Sicha Nun Aleph. And so the very tail end of that teaching is going to help to contextualize and sweeten a little bit for us the intensity of this teaching. But intensity is not necessarily a bad thing. Truth is truth. Aleph, Mem, and Taf, like we usually say, is the osios of MS. And that means that anything that's true is going to incorporate elements from across the spectrum. There's going to be a lot of loving messages that are included in truth. And ultimately, there can be a lot of realizations that might seem harsh, but are ultimately beneficial in the sense that they can help us strengthen our resolve. And things are not only requiring motivation, which is a super important thing, motivation. We also require discipline, motivation and discipline. These are two sides of the same coin because if all we get all the time is motivation, but we don't have the discipline to be able to maintain our resolve, even when we don't feel like it, that's going to be challenging. So sometimes teachings like the following teaching that we're going to learn now together could help for the discipline side of things or motivation, but not ordinarily in the regular sense, like positive motivation, but just to wake up, right, to the reality of what awaits us. Um, so says Rabbi Nachman, referring to a topic that he loves speaking about, which is the topic of death, the topic of leaving this world, which is a central focus in Breslov uh, theology is to is to focus all the time on the fact that life is fleeting. So Rabbi Nachman quotes the Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, which teaches Va'al Taimar, let a person not say Sha'ol Vahakever That the depth Sha'ol is difficult to translate. It's one of the words used for hell, Gehenim. That whatever we experience when we leave this world, vahakever, or in a physical sense, the grave, base manaslach. That well, that will be a place where I'll be safe. That will be a place where I'll finally be able to rest. Meaning to say, to imply, what does it really matter? What a person's going to go through and experience in the uh, in in the kever when the body is dead and the person will be somewhere else, not experiencing whatever the body or whatever other wakeful element of the person will be experiencing, a person can say, well, just like when we sleep, we don't, we don't feel it, so to speak. We don't perceive what's, what's going on in the higher realms to, to our neshamas. So maybe when a person dies, a person says, well, then I'll just have total respite, total freedom uh, without needing to worry about the consequence of our actions in this world. So says Rabbi Nachman, that's not the case at all. On the fact, in fact, it's on the contrary. In this world, that a person is so busy in this world, and so much of our energy is focused on trying to just put food on the table, just trying to make it. Just It's a full-time job, just um, running life, making sure that, that basics are taken care of, making sure that, you know, the, the, the groceries are, are stocked and, and, and basic necessities of living are taken care of. So a person has so much to think about, to worry about. It could be, says the Rebbe, that a mosquito comes and bites a person and the person is so occupied with all the many different things that occupy a human being in this, in this lifetime that we don't even feel it. We don't even sense it. There are minor sensations, unpleasant sensations, that a person won't even necessarily feel because we're so wrapped up in this multi-sensory experience of being overwhelmed by this worldliness. 
Because a person's mind is occupied with something else, and so that small little unpleasantness, they're not even aware of it. Sometimes you get a cut on your finger. You only realize later in the day when you see a scar, and you don't even remember having been cut, right? So what is that? Surely it caused the person pain when it happened, but we don't even realize how much of our consciousness is occupied with so many different layers that other layers that are undercurrents can pass by without being sensed and experienced at all. Avosham Kever, Rabbi Nachman says that once a person is in the kever, once a person after 120 Ba'ezus Hashem, a person is lowered down into the ground. Says Rabbi Nachman, there's nothing else going on. There's nothing else. There's nothing to, con- to concern us, to keep us preoccupied, that we should be focused on. There's nothing else. Says Rabbi Nachman, a scary thing. A person at that moment hears, Chazal describe the experience of the body being consumed by worms and maggots deep under the earth. That's called chibot hakever. That's part of the tikkun, part of the rectification that a person needs to go through in order to reach our allotted place in Shamayim and Olam Haba, in Ganeda and the Yeshiva Shamala, all different realms and different places where souls can abide and can bask in the, in, in, the, in the everlasting truth and glory and splendor of Hashem in the spiritual realms that we can't even grasp, that are totally beyond our experience currently. So, Chibat HaKever is one of those stages. And in that stage, just on a very physical level, we know this to be true, the body is eaten up and the flesh is consumed. Says Rabbi Nachman, when a person is in such a state of total an utter clarity of mind where there's nothing else to worry about and there's not there's just nothing absolutely nothing we don't get to experience that absolute nothingness even if a person goes on holiday or on vacation you and I know you know sometimes vacations can be more stressful than the thing that we were trying to get to get uh, out of stress because all of a sudden there's so many other things that are going on you know and 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 we're worried about different things that break at the, at the hotel or we're not in the right room and we're we're planning out all these different activities and and we're behind schedule there are so many different things that could keep us preoccupied even when we're supposed to be in a state of of sheket, of rest, of silence, we don't even experience that in this world where there's absolutely nothing to do. Maybe on Shabbos, in a really good moment of peace of mind, we can sense total, total nothingness. But even then, we're still thinking about the past or worried about the future. We're preoccupied with the experience of living. Says Rabbi Nachman, when it's all over, we don't have any shum tirda. There's nothing else going on. Vishum machshava acheres. There are no other thoughts. There's just the ultimate perception of the present. Says Rabbi Nachum, when the mind is silenced to such a degree, again, it's a, it's a harsh thing. It's difficult to hear. It's scary. But we're going to, again, try to sweeten it in a minute. But just to be aware not only does a person feel the bites, again, on some level, because there is a nefesh that's still always abiding within the body, even after the body, even after the soul leaves the world and goes up to the upper realms, there is a, a, a level of perception and feeling that the, that, the, that, the, that the body can feel, that the soul can feel. So beyond feeling the pain of the biting, Says Rabbi Nachman, we hear afilu harachisha, the slithering, vahiluch shalatilaim. And the, the, all the, the movements of these worms and maggots under the earth, there's nothing else but that. Echem rechashim ubayim alav, how they're slithering their way through the ground and they're approaching. Umargish hatsar shakol neshicha neshicha. And the body then feels in the ultimate degree without any further distraction, just total focus, each and every little sting and each and every little bite. And at that point, there's nothing to, to distract a person. 
And it's a very, very real experience where a person is fully present in an unpleasant experience. And that's Sicha Peidalet, pretty morbid Sicha. doesn't leave us with much, admittedly. And so just taken as, as a whole, Rabbi Nachman intends to communicate to us that the choices that we make in this world matter. Because the more that we invest in physicality, the more ultimately is going to need to be, whether physically or metaphysically, on some level, is going to need to be eaten away, so to speak. Not as a punishment. I don't like to use this word punishment anymore in this generation. It's not a punishment, but a cleansing just to get all the layers out of the way so that then our neshama can rise and the true us, the essence, can bask fully without any barriers in between, can bask in the light of the divine. But first the physicality has to be eaten away. And so the choice is ours. Says Rabbi Nachman, it's going to happen one way or another. Either we can fully invest in this experience in this world and do the best that we can to slowly but surely refine ourselves and our tastes, and what we desire, and what we're focused on, like we say, what makes us sad and what makes us happy are usually good indicators as to where a person is on a spectrum of developmental consciousness. What makes a person happy, what makes a person sad, what a person looks forward to, and so on and so forth. We can upgrade, not just what we do, we can upgrade what we want. And that's the goal of Yiddishkeit, is not just to keep us in a pressure cooker so that we don't step out the line, even though for 120 years we're, we're desperately seeking to break free. That's not the goal. The goal is not simply, in the, in the Lashon of the Baal Tanya, in Tanya, to perform what's called iskafia, subjugation. The goal is to merit what's called ishapcha, transformation. That's a whole different thing. Right? And the same goes just, we always go back to education, parents and, and, and teachers. When we relate to students, it's not enough simply to make sure that throughout all of high school, they, you know, they toe the line, the straight and narrow. Because if that's all that it is, then the minute they have an opportunity, they're gone. The goal has to be to attempt to allow the students and children to experience a transformation so that we can upgrade what they what they what they want, what they yearn for, what they're interested in, how they see themselves, and so on and so forth. So Rabbi Nachman says the choice is ours. And let not a person think that we can act however we would like in this world and live a totally magusham, physical-oriented life. And then, ah, big deal. You know, once the neshama leaves the body, so what do we have with the, what the body experiences? Says the Rebbe, no. Forget about even imagining what otherworldly punishments or otherworldly cleansing processes might look like, all of us know on a very literal level that the flesh that we currently inhabit will not exist within a very short span of time from when the person is lowered into the ground. That's a fact. It doesn't require emuna. It's a fact, right? That's just what happens. So Rabbi Nachman is informing us that there is a level of consciousness that's present and it will matter a whole lot whether we merit to have the cleansing process in this world or, what, or, or whether chas v'shalom, the opposite. And that's something that matters. And so taken in a vacuum, that's what Rabbi Nachman is teaching us over here. Now let's try to sweeten this a little bit with a deeper level of perception that we can gain from Sichas around 51. Again, we already learned this together in our series, but Chazara is always super important to review what we learned, especially in light of other teachings. It brings out a new a new angle. So here in Sichas Ranun Aleph, Rabbi Nachman says the following, I'm going to try Be'ezus Hashem Neder, try my best to read through this as quickly as I can, because the main thing I want to get to is, is the next teaching. It should really say Sichas Ran 85, right? Pei Hei, and, and there's a lot, there's just a lot to get to, okay? So I'm going to try Be'ezus Hashem to get through this quickly, and then let's carry on to the next teaching. Anava Amar, Rabbi Nachman announced, and he said, Either a person requires for the following thing, we're going to get to in a minute, tremendous mercy from Hashem. Or a person needs to toil and to work at the following. Or you need both. That a person needs tremendous effort. And also divine mercy for what? For what purpose? Kaidem Shazaychin before a person merits Shayamdu Vishkitu Shimre Hamoyah Lamata. 
for a person to merit stillness of mind, clarity of consciousness, peace of mind, yishavadas, what's called silencing the shimrei hamayach, like the different, uh, 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 like, it's hard to hard to describe. Shemer is like the like the oils in a certain way. It's not shemen, but shemer is the different liquids. That is a word that's eluding me now. The shimri hamoyach to be able to still that and to be able to silence the mind. To a, so, so a person gets to a level. We spoke before. What is a person? What what makes a person happy? What makes a person sad? Where this world is not where it's at for the person. That's not what the person thinks about when they wake up. It's not what the person thinks about when they go to sleep. Their shi'ifas, their aspirations, their goals, their yearnings, their strivings relate to something that's so much more eternal, so much more spiritual, so much more elevated. The year to the point that a person can get to such a madrega, hakol shave etzlai, where everything is equal to that person, shave, because it doesn't matter. It was never about this worldliness, physicality, olamagashmi. So it, therefore it matters if it's a sunny day outside, if it's a rainy day outside, it matters what time of year it is, it matters what a person's physically experiencing, what a person's circumstances are relating to this world. I call shave, because that's not where it's at. On the contrary, all the distinction Within this worldly experience, meaning all the mountains and valleys, all the days and nights, all the summers and the winters, all of the positive experiences and negative challenges that a person goes through, they're all contextualized and therefore equalized when seen through the lens of attempting to grow spiritually or attempting to evolve our consciousness to higher and higher and higher levels. In that sense, there's no difference. In that sense, everything is a stepping stone further and further and further, exactly what I need to have in this moment. So a person reaches that level, the Akal Shava Etzloi, very difficult to reach this level, it's a whole lifetime of work. But when a person does, imagine their Yishavadas, their peace of mind. And it's a spectrum, so it's not like you either have it or you don't. Step after step after step, you can get to this madriga. We can get to this level. Says Rabbi Nachman, that's what it means when the Pasuk tells us, In your going, it will accompany you. In your lying down, it will guard over you. And when you awake, it will be your speech. Hainu says Rabbi Nachman, what's this Pasuk talking about? Shahakol Shaveh. That no matter what state a person is in, whether you're traveling or you're resting, meaning when you're progressing in Avodah Hashem or Chas Hashem, you have a Yerida, or whether a person goes to sleep or a person's awake, or when, and so on and so forth, it's all the same. He to Sichecha. You're bound up with the Torah. You're bound up with the messages that Hashem is sending you, whether you're in a time of Aliyah or in a time of Yerida. And interpreted more broadly, Says Rabbi Nachman, what this Pasuk means to tell us is that to a Jew who's living on this level, and again, this responds to what we had just learned in a more harsh teaching, Peidalid, so the Ein Shum Chiluk. Says Rabbi Nachman, if a person is living on this level, there will not be any distinction, this world, or whether a person is in the kever, when everything is silenced off and says Rabbi Nachman, if your mind is not preoccupied with other things, which we're going to get to in a minute, you're, not you, but a person could potentially, theoretically, hear the, the slithering and the whisperings of the, of the worms as they're, as they're slithering through the earth on their way to bite the person, to eat away their flesh. Says Rabbi Nachman, in this teaching, there will be no difference whether a person is in this world, whether a person is in the, in the caver, buried, and when, and when a person is going to arise in Tchiyas HaMesim and experience a fully illuminated, fully manifested experience of the spirituality within this world. is It's talking about the Torah. When a person walks, the Torah will accompany you. Says Rabbi Nachman, if a person manages to invest in this kind of relationship with spiritual growth in this world, so then it won't be what we described earlier. 
a person will have what to accompany them. When a person lays down, a person will again be able to contextualize, even if the body does get eaten. That will also be seen through this lens of sameness, of equanimity. Understanding that this is now the way that they're getting closer and closer to Hashem. It'll be far less scary. They'll have consciousness. They'll have das. They'll have a very elevated way of being able to perceive what they're going through that radically transforms the reaction to it. Very deep. Just like in this world, you could have two people go through the same challenge, but one person sees it without amuna, and it's just so challenging and pointless and meaningless and just suffering for no end and for no reason, and they don't have the tools and, and, and capabilities to handle it. And then another person goes through the very same challenge, but they see it through the lens of amuna, And so it's just the same to them. It makes no difference. On the contrary, they jump up. This is a new opportunity to get to know Hashem in a new way, to develop our consciousness in a new way, to be able to, to climb this ladder and access heretofore unknown levels of awareness of Hashem. For that person, there will be no difference when they're in the cave, they're experiencing whatever they, they experience. And likely for such a person, their experience of chibot hakever, of this horrible, terrible, painful experience, will likely be far less than a person who didn't live this way while they were in Olamazeh. But whatever they do go through, it will still be along with the Torah. They'll have their subconscious mind, sub-spiritual soul occupied, with Amuna, even there. Even there. Shisham b'shach kever. There when a person lies in the grave. Sham gam Hashem Such a person will be able to access the light of Hashem that is present even there. V'hatayra. And the Torah thoughts that are even, even present there. V'chein v'hakitsaysa. When a person arises after Tchiyas HaMesim. L'olam haba. The Torah and Amuna and Hashem will accompany you then too. After a person gets to a place where they don't have any other desire, where they're completely living for, ultimately, one billion percent of the time, they're living for their neshama purpose, and they're not getting distracted by the body to think that I'm a person, I'm not a person, I'm a soul. I'm a chelik alakami ma'al. And I'm manifesting this human body, this human experience. But a person manages to transform the way that they approach this life so that they're all the time aligned with the deeper reality of existence, not falling for the illusion, which is delusion, but constantly maintaining awareness of the plot and where they fit into it at that moment in history, getting closer and closer to the unfolding redemption. Where a person gets to a place where they want nothing else but closeness to Hashem. They want nothing else but further and deeper levels of awareness of the Torah. So Nimsa Shakal Sheva Etzloi says, Rabbi Nachman, it emerges that to such a person, everything's the same. There's no difference. A dear friend of mine, Ramosha Gersh, wrote a book. It's called, It's All the Same to Me. Highly recommended. A tiny book, but it's so packed with beautiful, beautiful, deep teachings. It's all the same to me. That's what's called equanimity. In Hebrew, in Lashon HaKadosh, hishtavos, sameness. Says Rabbi Nachman, when a person lives with that level of awareness in Olam Hazeh, it's going to carry on and abide for that person, even in the kever. Everything will be the same because they've already adopted this perspective where they don't live for themselves. They're living for Echad Yachad Umiyuchad. They're living for closeness to Hashem. They're living for Dveikus. They're living to channel that energy down to them and through them to illuminate the world. Otherwise, what's the point of being alive? No matter what stage you're at, Hashem will be there with you. And when a person is in such a place, then that will drown out all the whisperings, whether it's actual like audio drowning out or whether it's consciously a person's thoughts are preoccupied with something else so they won't feel it or, and I think this is the truest interpretation, they'll be able to recontextualize the worms crawling through the earth. Again, it's a hard thing to think about. We don't really understand what that's going to be like, what that's going to feel like. But one thing is certain. 
we can rest assured that a person who has embodied this consciousness of Amuna will be able to see that experience through the lens of Amuna too through the lens of sameness too, through the lens of ultimate clarity in terms of what life is all about and perhaps even what death is all about and what this experience in the kever is there for. To a person that's really caught up in this world, 99% of human beings just caught up in the everydayness of the mundanity of the human experience of life of Olam the short little brief period of time that we experience everything that is to be experienced in this world and we're makusher to it. Can you imagine like we talk about eskashros to tzaddikim, to be bound up with tzaddikim, to put our chilek like we say in Shemana Esrei, right? We want to be bound up with them. We want to have a connection to their way of life and, and, and to yearn to strive as an ideal to reach their levels. The same could exist on the opposite side of the spectrum. A person who's makusher, that's the lashon that's used over here, the terminology, a person who's bound up with this world. And that's what they're connected to. They feel a connection to physicality. Says Rabbi Nachman, to such a person, you better believe there's going to be a difference. Oh boy, is there going to be a difference. From a sprawling, beautiful living room and dining room and, and tiulim and, and, and you know, seeing the scenery of Olamazeh and enjoying for enjoyment's sake. Contrasted with the caver, just a tiny little narrow claustrophobic space. To such a person, there's going to be a difference. But a person who has worked in this world toward refining their consciousness, and they've lessened and they've, they've, they've removed all of these different physical-oriented ways of thinking from their minds, everything's the same. So this teaching really can sweeten what we learned in the earlier teaching by reminding us that Rabbi Nachman is talking there about a very specific kind of person. But that's not the kind of person that, that you are, anybody on this call. That's not the person kind of person I am. We're working on our amuna, So we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Whatever experience we experience, strengthening our amuna, Hashem will be there too. The Torah will be there too. Ultimate import, infinite meaning, eternality will be there too. We have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Okay, so that's... Um, now let's jump into it says 82 it should say 85 this is an incredibly important teaching Mamish super super fundamental here Rabbi Nachman says the following Echad, really Rabbi Nassim is recording the following teaching an anecdote that conveys a teaching from Rabbi Nachman Echad sha'al oisai al Somebody once asked, somebody once asked Rabbi Nachman whether he should travel to a certain place. Something came up, he wanted to know, should I go or should I stay? Hey, Rabbi Nachman announced, and again, this has to be taken into a, with perspective, not just a blanket rule, because that's always the danger of Breslov or the danger of any Sefer, where you read something and you can apply it universally, where Rabbi Nachman was speaking to one person or to a particular subset of people, you have to know how to apply this. But it's good to, it's good to know, to take this into account with the many different other factors that come into account with regard to things like this. Says Rabbi Nachman, When a person sees that there's an opportunity to travel, Says Rabbi Nachman, a person shouldn't be stubborn to try to prevent traveling. To say, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that I am staying only at home. Says the Rebbe again, this shouldn't be an ultimate Rutzon on the part of the person that I won't hear of traveling ever at all. I just want to stay at home. Says the Rebbe, no, a person shouldn't be makbid on that. Why? 
Because every person that every place rather that a person travels to, you're going to that place to fix, to rectify something. Such a powerful line. Whatever place a person goes to, you are fixing something there in that place. But a person has to be careful. Especially, it's very important, when a person travels to a certain place on, on vacation, and this could be a big stumbling block, right? Because Hashem planned out. You think you planned your vacation. Hashem planned your vacation, as we're going to see. Hashem wanted you to make the decision to go to this and this place and to stay in this and this Airbnb and to go to this and this restaurant and to eat out at this and this place and to take the, or the, you know, this or that trip or date, you know, uh, 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 like holiday to this place. So over there, on the contrary, sometimes the Yetzar could be so much stronger. You're out of your comfort zone. And especially if it's the summer and a person is traveling to a place where it's, it's, it's more loose and it's, and, it's, and it's more difficult, Shmir Seinayim and things like that. Says Rabbi Nachman, on the contrary, when a person travels, it's all the more important to be extra, extra careful. To be very, very careful to guard against missing Opportunity, that's what Avera is, to miss an opportunity for connection to Hashem by over, overcoming our challenges and to, and to, and to withstand and to, and to emerge victorious from our Nisayon. Because says Rabbi Nachman, when a person will just make sure that they're not doing an Avera in a particular place, as I call Adam Asakin Makam Shunasayalasham, every person is bringing about great tikkunim, tremendous rectifications. In every place that we travel to, even the simplest Jew who doesn't know any deep intentions and he makes a bracha with just the most basic kavana, as long as we're withholding from Averas in that place, we're fixing up what Hashem sent us to that place. We didn't happen to go to that place. Hashem sent us to that place to fix what we need to fix there. Because wherever a person goes, who you did something holy there. Whether you know it or whether you don't know it, whether you're conscious of it or whether you're not conscious of it, hopefully we are conscious of all the many holy things that a Jew does daily. We do holy things in the places where we go. A Jew goes to a place, he davens in that place. A person needs to eat, so a person eats something. Before the, the eating, made a bracha. Even the simplest Jew in the world. Wherever he is, he does many, many holy things. We're not, not even aware of it. How many holy things we do, how many holy thoughts we have, how good we are. We're not even aware. Just the simplest person. We're so good. It's unbelievable how good we are. It's unbelievable how good the world is. Imagine how much worse things could get. How much, I shouldn't say could get, how much worse things could be. Infinitely worse. We saw just what happened, you know, two plus months ago, a, 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 a thousand plus animals run into a couple of kibbutzim and they act like there's less din, less dayun. Total anarchy, total, total chaos, brutality and cruelty, the likes of which we can't even imagine. There are, there are seven plus billion, eight billion people in the world. If there wasn't goodness laced into the DNA of humanity, just on the most basic level, the world would have been destroyed a long time ago. We're so good, universally and personally, individually, each of us. We are so, so good. We really are. Says Rabbi Nachman, wherever a Jew goes, we're doing so many good things wherever we go. If an opportunity to travel arises before a person, and again, there are other factors too. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden we should be nomads, you know, just planning trips to, place to place. I know people like this, you know, just can't settle down in one place ever. That's not the Nakuda. 
So everything needs to be balanced with other factors. Life is a multivariate equation. There's so many different things going on, but this should be one of the factors. There's no need to specifically try to avoid traveling because if the factors line up and it seems to a person that it's the appropriate thing to do for them to travel, for family, for business, for pleasure, to travel, says the Rebbe, let this be first and foremost in your mind to remember this. You are not going there. You are being sent there. You are being carried there. Once you make up your mind to travel, you get to that place, remember, you're on a mission. You are now in position, mamish like a soldier, you're in position to carry out a mission that only you could carry out, that you specifically were sent to this place, to do your avoiders there. And it doesn't have to be anything over the top. A bracha b'kavana. But with this intention. HaKadosh Baruch you sent me to this place. To make a bracha. Because who knows what kind of holy sparks. Sparks of divinity. Sparks of kedusha That are latent in this food dafka. In this sandwich that I'm eating. In this place. At this time. That are specifically bound up with my root soul. We know so little about what goes on. It's just absolutely remarkable. And then we make decisions about what, what is a good thing and what is a bad thing and, and, and what, we, you know, what, what we're so happy to have happened to us and what we really feel like. Oh, you know, we, we don't know. We just don't know what the subplot is and what the main plot is. We just don't know. That's what Amuna means, is, is, is not to know. Right? Is to open up, to realize with humility, wow, like... Hashem, I'm so limited. I am so incredibly limited. Just give you a tiny, tiny example. Tiny example just from my own life. Recently, as many of you know, we were blessed um, now th- three or so weeks ago with a baby boy, Chazay Hashem, who was born very early at 26 weeks. So initially he was in one hospital. He was transferred immediately to another hospital that could handle babies at that level of gestation. And we were there. We were there in that place. And it was an incredibly unpleasant place to be that particular hospital the staff were fantastic but the location was was not favorable at the best of times and specifically and i'll leave out the specifics of it but with everything going on around Eretz Yisrael and uh and, and the palestinians and, and so on and so forth that particular neighborhood was not the most pleasant place for an overtly orthodox visibly orthodox jew to to walk and palestinian flags lining the streets a, 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 like a, a really the slums of, of London and um, I just didn't feel safe there at all at all and I really dreaded going and the whole place was just full of our of our cousins um, should make peace with, with with the ones that want peace very soon as is Hashem and I, I was just found myself surrounded by all these people Dafka at this moment in time where if you'll remember about a week and a half ago the headlines weren't just all Israel, Palestine and Gaza the headlines were actually about incubators if you remember and about premature babies at the Shifa hospital for those who are following the news right who have the unfortunate um, <laughs> like disadvantage of being aware of what's going on in this world on some level right it was all over the news incubators preemies i had never seen premature babies in the headlines the way that they were two and a half weeks ago dafka when i found myself as an orthodox jew in a palestinian neighborhood um in in the in the nicu ward surrounded by incubators and premature babies. It was bizarre. It was totally bizarre. And for me, at least in my head, it added to the danger, right? Because like the chutzpah, you know, from their perspective, here comes a, an Orthodox Zionist, right? For, as, as far as they know, walking into, you know, to, to, a, to, a, to a NICU ward to look after his preemie while the Israelis are, are the way that they thought bombing, you know, and killing babies in, in incubators, right? From their misguided perspective. So it, was, it wasn't pleasant. But I'll tell you, I mamish believe in humanity. I mamish believe in humanity. And I believe that the news is representative of a tiny fraction of the most extreme elements of every society. Mamish believe that. It's, my, it's been my experience. It's been your experience. Generally speaking, people are, are just are kind. Generally speaking. I know this is, is difficult for some of us to hear now in a very fragmented and and 
difficult time. Generally speaking, that's the truth. And so I wanted to demonstrate that and to bring that out. And the final day that we were there, I had singled out one of the fathers of, of, of one of the babies there in the NICU who I knew spoke English. Imagine most of them didn't even, not just like British Muslims, like they didn't speak English. These were immigrants from Pakistan, from Jordan. Arabs, I hadn't seen in Israel people that looked like this, like I saw here. I mean, really, not simple, not simple at all. And, I, and one of them spoke English and I, and I just went over to him, you know, and it was in front of a lot of other people. So it was like, you could have caught the tension in that room with a knife. Like everybody immediately, it was like people like mid sipping their tea. Everybody looked up like, here's this Orthodox Jew going over to this. And I shook his hand, you know, and I wished him well and his child well. And I reminded him that in this place, we're all humans, you know, and that we just want the best for each other because they think that we hate them and we think that they hate us. And so Mamela, you know, there's this gigantic wall and we can demonstrate that no, we, you know, it's not, it's not the case. That we want peace and that we want, we want, uh, we, we want, we wish well for everyone. That's the truth we do. We mamish wish well for humans. Um, and uh, as I was walking out of there, I thought to myself, and again, what do I know? But who knows? If I had to go through this whole thing myself and my wife and this premature baby, we don't know the ripple effects of being in the right place at the right time amidst the right historical moment and the context, the specific context of being there in the NICU, incubators, premature babies, Orthodox Jew, Palestinian. What do we know? You know, what an impact that could make. So here I'm thinking, well, this is a small, tiny little thing. It's maybe a nice thing to do. What do I know what the main plot is? And what the subplot is. Miodea. Who knows? And so this is like a level of consciousness you could have all the time. We never, ever, ever know what the main thing is and what the secondary thing is. So we think that we're going to this place, let's say to the grocery store, just to put it into more regular terms, because all of us are going to go shopping at one point or another this week, or we have and we will. And you got to go and pick up some milk and eggs, right? So that's why we're going to the store. Agav, we bumped into a person that needed a good word and we gave them a compliment, let's say. From our perspective, the main thing is, well, we needed milk. And also this took place. From Hashem's perspective, you only needed milk and ran out of milk so that you would need to go to this particular store to bump into this particular person to give them the strength that they needed because who knows what might have happened had they not met you and not gotten that compliment. We don't know anything. I'm trying to communicate this all the time to myself and to others. This is what Amuna means. Nothing. We just don't know. The main thing is be awake to the moment. Try your best to add light. Try your best to, like we're learning over here, to make brachas bikavana. Try your best to be open to the world. Try your best to be open to experiences. Go with the flow. Let Hashem carry you. Good moments, negative moments, hills, valleys, mountains, ditches down in the earth where you feel stamped down. Aliyahs when you're succeeding in Avodah Hashem. Yeridas where a person falls prey to the Yetzirah and the Satan. All of this should be approached with openness simplicity willingness to do hashem's bidding here wherever here may be that's the goal of yiddishkeit that's it moment to moment awareness of this kind of consciousness and again i'm not trying to toot my own horn i don't live like that all the time it was super intense moment and hashem gifted me with the confidence to go and grab it i don't always i miss many opportunities like the rest of us but i was just using that as one example but my tefillah for myself at least is that i should really live this way if not all the time then at least most of the time how much anxiety we would be able to overcome how much stress and tension and sadness and, and, and disappointment we would be able to avoid. And that's, that's a side benefit, meaning it's not we adopt this mindset like Karl Marx, you know, once said the religion is the opium of the masses, right? That, that it's just this fake thing that we use in order to, you know, deal with the hardship of life. That's not it. We don't have this consciousness because it's beneficial. We have this consciousness because it's true. And because it's true, it's beneficial. This is the truth. 
living this way can enable a person to deal with whatever goes on in his or her life with this sense, goes back to the previous piece, of hishtavas, of sameness, equanimity. Because wherever I am is wherever, is where I have been sent to do this mission. We got to fix something here. And after 120, we'll get to see everything, what actually was and who these people were and what we knew in a previous lifetime and what the impact of shaking the hand of somebody in a contentious situation changes his perspective. Who knows what he was going to do later that day? Who knows how he'll be an advocate now in a context of people who could do harm to our community? Who knows what all the other people in the room can shift their way of thinking about Orthodox Jews? Who knows? Who knows? If that's the abiding schus of our Tinok Ben Shiri Yehudis, that because of him, I happen to find myself in that scenario to, to, to affect something. Who knows? Miodeh. One day we'll find out that will be our Olam Haba, to be able to have the privilege of looking back and being like, oh my gosh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you knew what you were doing. All along, there was this master plan that sometimes we think of Hashem's master plan in the sense of it being broad, but sometimes we don't realize master plan means every tiny detail. It's not just a master plan, like it's this you know, overarching uh, uh, um, general hashkacha. Hashkacha pratis, every prat and prat of a prat and every teeniest, tiniest detail down to the details of details of details. Precisely what we need. Says Rabbi Nachman, you have to travel and, and it, maybe it's uncomfortable and you wish you didn't, but you have to. Wonderful. How good it is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought you to this place and I want to make this point. It's not just traveling physically. We know from Chazal that Am Yisrael traveled in the Midbar 42 Membeis Masa'is, 42 different travels. And the Baal Shem Tev teaches that each and every Jew needs to go through in their own spiritual and emotional development 42 travels. Doesn't just mean physically. Wherever a person travels emotionally, spiritually, all the different difficulties that we go through, Aliyas and Yuridas, Wherever a person travels, says Rabbi Nachman, there's something for you to fix there. There's something for you to rectify on that madrega. It's going to be good for you and good for the world. That if this hadn't been the reason for you um, traveling to this in this place, maybe you would have needed to be dragged down there in chains. Because again, what's important is that you get to where you need to go. Sometimes that will happen because circumstances have it that way. Other times, chas v'shalom, who knows how many harsh ways there are of getting a person from point A to point B. And he's quoting a Gemara in Shabbos. Kamashamar Abbasin is the Gemara in Shabbos says, Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu bemoans the fact that how did his people, how did his descendants in the coming parsha, you end up in Mitzrayim because of the terrible thing that happened in this week's parsha with, with, with Yosef. What a terrible thing. That because of that was nostalgia, this whole thing, where now because Yosef had been stolen away and sold down to Egypt, and now the brothers had to come get food and, and so on and so forth, then finally Am Yisrael ended up in Mitzrayim. Says the Gemara in Shabbos, you know how much worse it would have been? if circumstance hadn't been what brought them there, but they had to go down all of them in chains and drag down there because that's where they had to go. Didn't just end up in Mitzrayim. That's where they had avodas. That's where Hashem was sending them on a mission. And if it hadn't been circumstantially, Chas Hashem, it could have been way worse. Says the Rebbe Kamoikin of Kal Adam, the same is true for each and every person. Wherever you go in life, you have a Yerida. Sometimes it happens, a person has a Yerida. Of course we don't want to have a Yerida. Of course we want to overcome every Yitzhahara. Of course we want to stand strong to our ideals. Of course we want to get to a level where we don't even want the, the lowliness anymore. But you were there. You're sent to this place. You're, you find yourself in this position. There's, there's work for you to do. There's an avoid there for you to do. There's a way for you to, to get closer to Hashem in that place where you are. Maybe it would have been much worse. The Chalzeh says, Rabbi Nassan, I want to let you know 
Rabbi Nachman spoke all of these words in Ish Pashut Legamri. I hope that person never actually saw this teaching. That wouldn't be too nice. But Rabbi Nazan says that this person who had asked the question that Rabbi Nachman responded to, you got to go because there's something to do there, was a simple person. A totally simple person. It wasn't a big tzaddik like we think sometimes. Yeah, maybe big tzaddikim, they travel to a certain place and they do big, deep avoidas and they're fixing up all, this, all the sparks that are there. Says Rabbi Nassim, no, it means you and me. Simple yidin. There's no such thing as a simple yid. The simplest Jew. We're fixing things. But we should just be careful to withhold ourselves from you know, which is going to make more damage. And this is all hinted Kabbalistically in the Kisvei Arizal and the writings of the Ari HaKadosh. Let's try for the last few minutes to push through at least a few of these teachings. Really could die to see all of them. I wish we did have the time, but this is also the place where we were sent. So this is also exactly what was supposed to happen and exactly the teachings we were supposed to learn. Says the Heliger Berditschever Rav Schusia Gunalena, we'll go for 10 more minutes. The Berditschever says over here in the beginning of Parshas Lech, Hashem al Avraham, Hashem speaks to the first Jew for the first time. And he says, Avraham Avinu Lech Lecha. Go for yourself, as the Mepharshim tell us, from your land. Travel away from all that you have known, and go toward Eretz Yisrael. So it should be clear to me and you, and I'm sure that it, of course it is, that this is not Stam, right? These words, that these were the first words that Hashem chose to, to use to speak to the, to the, to, you know, to the first Jew. Latent in these words is a tremendous, tremendous principle for me and for you. And the Kedushas Levi speaks this out. Kizek klal gadol. The following is a tremendous klal of emuna. We all speak about emuna. What does it mean? What does it mean to live with emuna? Kizek klal gadol. This is a tremendous principle. That wherever a person goes, who hoylech l'sharshay. He's going to encounter himself. Listen to how deep this is. You know, in the, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, there was terminology, at least so I'm told, where people were traveling to find themselves. They were on journeys to the east, predominantly, and they were mostly Jews. More on that a different time. But they went to go search for themselves. They were looking for themselves, hoping to find themselves. This terminology says the Bredichver, you know the truth? Is that you don't have to go to the east to find yourself. If you go to the grocery store to buy a bottle of milk, you're going to find yourself. Because everything that you encounter, every person that you meet, every food that you eat, every drink that you drink, every bed that you happen to sleep in along the way, every safer that you use, certainly, um, every, every tiny little particle of physicality that makes up your house with its plumbing and its electricity and the particular foods that end up on your Shabbos table and etc. Whatever a person has and encounters in their life is bound up with his spiritual source. Because it's not just a person that's encountering food and drink, it's a soul that's encountering spirituality in the guise of food and drink. And that spirituality that we're encountering is going to be aligned with our soul. Like I said at my Shabbos table, it just hit me so strong. We're sitting there eating salmon that's, that some wonderful woman make, made for us because they're still making us meals, which is, which is such a wonderful chesed we're so grateful for. And we're sitting there eating. And I said, to, I said to my wife, to my kids, isn't this incredible? This salmon, hopefully not too long ago, was swimming in some ocean somewhere. And who knows how long a salmon's lifespan is. We have to Google that. I'm sure we can easily find out that information. But it's probably been alive for some time and it's probably been swimming in some lake somewhere or some ocean, who knows. That salmon was always shayich to me and to my family, to my Shabbos table. Its whole life, it had the word Klein, you know, tattooed on it. No matter what, wherever it was. 
on all of its journey and whatever it from, from it went from shop to shop and from, and it was transported in this car it was just heading to my Shabbos table what a privilege for that salmon and for all the salmons that end up on our Shabbos tables what a privilege it could have been in some fancy restaurant somewhere you know eaten by who knows who it ends up at a Shabbos table because it, it's connected to us it's a very powerful thing if you happen to be sitting in your home look around your room See all the different items that you purchased in all different places. All of those things are your things. This is key. Not because you happen to own them. You own them because they are yours. I want to say this again. Rabbi Tzaddik says this very clearly about husbands and wives. I want to say this very clearly. Your things are not yours because you happen to own them. You own them because they were always yours. Because you're not a person who owns things. You're a soul that engages with spirituality in the form of a great many different items and objects and experiences. Says the Kedusha Slave, because a Klau Gadol, this is a primary principle of Emuna. That wherever you go, you're going to your source. You're going to find yourself more deeply. Because wherever you go, certainly in that place, in that particular place, not just generally speaking, in that particular place of this earth, wherever you happen to be standing at a bus stop and you missed a bus and you got off at the wrong stop and now you're stuck somewhere randomly for no reason, in that place is your shayrish. And there are spiritual sparks that are there to be elevated in that place by you, by being aware of this, and by doing something holy in that place. You say a capital tehillim, you think a thought of emuna. you even think this thought, which is itself a thought of emuna. Boom, you elevated the sparks. This is what Hashem was telling the very first Jew, Lech Lecha. This is the message. Lech, wherever a Jew goes, Lecha. You go to yourself. You go to encounter sparks of your own soul to elevate them. You go to elevate these holy sparks. Let's try to knock off one more from the Elegedaga Machane Ephraim. But really, if you do have a chance, take a look at the next two sources. I'm going to send out the, the sheet. We don't have time to do them, it's so crucial. It's so crucial. I'll try to speak it out super briefly. Let's just take a look at the Dagamach Nefraim. Ki balti shalom. He says, I received an Kabbalah from my teachers. So the Baal Shem Tov was his grandfather and the, and, and the other Hasidic masters. Al Pasuk. And the Pasuk, me Hashem gover. From Hashem are the footsteps of man or woman. From Hashem are the footsteps of humans. Kainanu, Hashem establishes our way. And Hashem require, desires our paths. What does this mean? I knew this means that every single step that we take, and of course, this is the bracha that we make in the morning, right? We start a new day. We say, Hashem, wherever I'm going to end up today, it's you. You sent me. You prepared me. I'm on a mission. I'm a little soldier for you, a soldier of light. I'm a soul engaging with spirituality. It's all you. So a person says, whatever steps a person takes me Hashem has arranged them for whatever reason Hashem has that Hashem wanted that person to accomplish this and that thing in that place to take them on this particular road as is explained but the problem is, really Hashem intended to send the person for Hashem's own reasons for spirituality. But the person himself, he just thinks he's going to Miami because he wants to go to Miami. For himself. But the truth is, it's just Hashem. Hashem is pulling the strings. Hashem wants us specifically in that place, for Hashem's own reasons. The Pasuk continues, when a person falls, he will not get taken, he will not get lift, taken up, lifted up. 
Hainu, this is a reference to Anitzaitz and Kedishin. These are a reference to the holy sparks that in the Arizal, that getting to the whole thing now, certainly we're over time, but the Arizal says that sparks in the, in the creation process were, were, were sent down into the earthliness of physicality and we're doing mitzvahs, we're elevating those sparks back to Kedusha. So those sparks that fell that fell into the shells, into the lower realms of concealment, La Yutal, they will not be elevated. elevated. But we should read it Hainulashan Bitmiya. We should read it with like a with, with a sense of wonderment. La Yutal. Kiyipal. All those sparks that fell down. La Yutal. They should never get lifted up and elevated. How could it be that Hashem would allow these sparks to abide without causing them to be elevated? Nothing will be left. No energy of, of divinity will be left not having been activated. Who is like Hashem, this master planner? Then he sends a desire in the heart of a tzaddik, and that was the degal. But Rabbi Nachman says, even a simple person, even a, even Rabbi Nassim, even the simplest person, to go to this place, and through our holy thinking, and through our brachas, you learn Chumash Rashi, you do something holy, and we're lifting up and elevating all those sparks. So that's how he reads this Pasuk. Right? Hashem orchestrates where we should go in life, physically and spiritually. But the person really thinks that he's going for his own desires. The Pasa continues, Because those sparks fell down into the deepest depths of physicality. Do you really think Hashem is going to allow them to get lost? Hashem will never allow those sparks to get lost. And therefore, He sends us where He sends us. Physically, in terms of where we travel, and spiritually, in terms of where we find ourselves on the spiritual journey. Elias or Eurydice, keep this in mind. You didn't just fall, you were sent. So now you're a soldier. Get back up. Find a way to connect Hashem where you are. Yearn, long to be better, to be more elevated. Find a way to connect Hashem where you are. And in this way, maybe you, you, you rectified whatever needed to be rectified. And you accomplished your mission for which you were sent. And the Arameher, just going to re- speak out and then we'll finish. The Arameher in this piece, not, not going to read it inside, speaks about food and drink specifically. That you thought you went to do business, you know, for a business deal. Really, you, it was just you needed to buy that particular Danish and make a brach over it and eat it. And you thought it was inconsequential. That's why you were there, right? Food and drink. And then Ramnasan says, not just don't. And Ramnasan says in this final piece, and then we'll close, not just to allow this to happen, mimela, but to find right naturally on its own, but to find a way to overtly reach out to other people in that place. Not just brachas, and not just making sure we stay away from averas, and not just making sure that we have emuna and so on. Find a person there, says Rav Nassim, to talk to about Yiddishkeit. Find a person specifically in the place where you are to encounter, and like I said before, to, to give a compliment, to give encouragement, to talk to about Hashem, to strengthen their Jewish identity. And if it's a from Yid, also, to strengthen their Jewish identity, the real Jewish and the real identity, right? Neshama talk. Find a way to have real conversations wherever you go. And in this way, we'll rest assured that lech lecha, wherever it is that we're being sent in life, we're encountering our essence, we're fixing up the world. Hashem is running the show like a little puppet. We're a little puppet and Hashem is the puppet master. We never ever know. So let's go into life and march into Hanukkah, which is this deep thing about the Aragonas, the hidden light and everything, with this open-mindedness, open-heartedness, open-soulness to recognize and to realize Hashem is orchestrating everything. We don't know anything. And if we know that we don't know anything, we already know everything. And we merit to live with Yishev Adas, peace of mind, presence of mind, so that when we live this way in the Kever, it won't make a difference anyway. We're still bound to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, davak to the Torah, davak to Emuna, connected to eternality. We should each continue to do our part to rectify the world. And as Hashem, we should only hear good news, Vesuras Tavis up ahead. Thank you all for joining. So wonderful to see all of you. 
here, I know it's not the most advantageous time for anyone. I know selfishly, it's the only time that I have. It's really not a good time in America. It's not a good time in the UK. It's not a good time in Eretz Yisrael. It's a time that's not a time. My, my, my consolation is that the recordings get posted and they're always there. So Hashem, people will be able to watch them there. But if you enjoy the shiur, and please do share them, spread them, not just enough for a person to learn it on their own. Share them. It takes a minute. You take a link and you post it to your status. You send it to a group. Something that impacts you, could share it along, help it to impact others. And we should only share, uh, continue to share Besuras Tovos. Um, Be'ezras Hashem. So thank you so much to all of you for being here. Ashreinu. Ashreinu, Ashreinu, Ashreinu. Chazak v'yamat. Ah, Ashreinu. All the best. I'm so happy. See, somebody wrote over here, she wrote to me, that Hashem sent her specifically because that's exactly what she needed to hear. That's it. <laughs> Hashem is running the world. Hashem is running the world. Um, you can find the rest of the Shirim on Elecha's YouTube channel. So just type in Elecha or my humble name, Yaakov Klein. And you can find tons of shiurim, hundreds and hundreds of shiurim. Ashrenu, there's so much there, and we just need to help people to, to know about them, because otherwise they'll just sit there. And, uh, okay, chazak v'yamatz, all the best. Chazak v'yamatz, wishing everybody the most wonderful Hanukkah, but hopefully we'll get to still contact um, before then.